Welcome to Freedom Matters Today. I am Michael J. Sutton, and this is episode 91 in our series, Freedom from Fear. Freedom Matters Today looks at freedom from a Christian perspective. We have five themes, freedom from fear and despair, freedom from guilt and shame, freedom from sin and death, freedom from past and prejudice, and freedom from fascism and tyranny. The title for today's podcast is Freedom from Methodology. Freedom from Methodology. We live in an age of planning. It used to be that the old Soviet Union and Chinese communists were addicted to planning. They employed famous five-year plans, especially the Chinese. I'm not sure why it was five years. Perhaps it's a good term, but it could easily have been four or three or six. The Soviet Union and others used to be called planned economies, and that's what they were. Everything was organised and controlled and planned, in contrast to the chaotic craziness of capitalism. We don't hear the term planned economy much these days, except in demographic policy, such as the term planned parenthood and so on. But planning has come full circle, and now we are all active planners. We have diaries and planners and schedules and meetings, and these are organised down to the latest minute. Our entire lives are planned and scheduled. There's nothing wrong with planning and schedules, but like all things that have a usefulness, we can end up being trapped by them. They can become a terrible burden, and we can suffer under an unreasonable set of unfinished tasks and they can rise like a leviathan and overwhelm us. Our lives can be defined by what we have failed to do rather than what we have done and this instills a sense of guilt and shame. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.11 to put on the whole armour of God so that we may be able to make a stand against the devil's schemes. Before we address the text itself, we need to find some comfort in the words of Jesus to act as a balm or antidote for those stuck in the grip of excessive planning. It's not that planning is wrong, it's not that planning is bad, but I do think that Jesus wants us to relax a little in terms of what life expects of us and what God expects of us and not let these things control and uh, destroy our freedom that we have in Christ. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet... Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? 
there do not be therefore do not be anxious saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the nations seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day is its own trouble it's interesting to know that jesus never uses the word method nor does paul nor does james or john or peter to describe the christian life the word method where we get our word methodology comes from the greek word methodeia which means methods or schemes there are only two places in the whole new testament where they're used and they are both used in a negative way they're both used in ephesians and they both refer to the activities of those who wish evil first ephesians 4 verse 14 then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. In the Greek it refers to the scheming of deceit when using the word method. The cunning and craftiness of men is contrasted with the speaking the truth and love of God's people. The friends of Diabolos plan and scheme, while God's people speak the truth in love in the power of the Holy Spirit. Evil does not occur spontaneously in the scriptures, though humans most certainly have evil within and do struggle with this. The Bible is very clear on how evil works and expresses itself. The wicked are known by their actions. They plan, they scheme, they wait to pounce. And they are known by their methods and their methodology. This is often seen, this method is perhaps the Greek version of laying in wait or waiting to attack, so often associated with evil people in the Hebrew Bible. For example, in Proverbs 1, 10-12, we see the use of this methodology, this scheming, this planning in the lives of people who are seeking to entice this young man to their way of thinking. Quite an interesting passage. Proverbs 1, 10 to 12. My son, if sinners entice you, do not yield to them. If they say, come along, let's lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those descending into the pit. What a horrible thought it is that people are lying in wait for blood just for the fun of it, to ambush the innocent without cause, to kill them, without reason other than the fact that they want to do it. This is the kind of scheming Paul has in mind. It is premeditated, it is planned, it has method to it. The second reference to method in the New Testament has to do with Ephesians 6.11, where Christians are to stand against the schemes or the methods of the devil. There is a scheme to his thinking, a craft, a method. The devil is a craftsman. He is an expert in his field, a specialist in his method. Today we would say a, a guidebook, an instruction manual, a trick, 
tripping up Christians and bringing them down to ruin, to slander the Son of God. Satan has a method, a plan, a scheme, and the Bible always sees them in a negative light. These methods are not positive and they are designed to destroy the witness and testimony of Christians. The whole aim of the armour of God is to take a stand against the devil and his schemes. There are perhaps several reasons why the church refuses to tell the truth about the devil. The first I have mentioned before, and that is because there is so much money in it. There are billions of dollars to be made in scaring people out of their wits, thinking that the devil is lurking around every corner, or he's on their lips, or fascists are the gold standard when it comes to lying about Satan, which is ironic. The second reason is perhaps that many do not believe there is a spirit with the name Diabolos and he has no place in the cosmic order. It has been my experience that most ritualists or traditional priests have no real faith in God. It is simply a career choice for them, so they wait out for retirement. They do not believe in God, and therefore they are unlikely to believe in the devil. I have mentioned the third reason in reference to evangelicals who think that somehow the death of Jesus also killed off Satan, which is puzzling because all the New Testament writers affirm his power, his intent, his existence and his character. There is even a bizarre reference to, in Jude to the devil, urging Christians not to slander even him, Jude 8-9. Jude writes, yet in the same way these dreamers defile their bodies, reject authority and slander glorious beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he disputed with the devil over the body of Moses, did not presume to bring a slanderous charge against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. The final reason why the devil is a problem for the church is that like Jesus, he is getting in the way of Christian fascism and their war against people. Paul clearly states that the point of the armour of God is to make a stand against the devil's schemes. The armour of God is not designed to make a stand against people, even wicked people. This is the opposite message to the fake gospel of Christian fascism, which is now the terminal cancer eating the church today, devouring it. The devil gets in the way of Christian fascists because they want to rebuild their Christian nation with Christian values and Christian laws and Christian people. Once they start talking about something supernatural, then the entire edifice falls and people see through the cracks of their sterile, dead, godless kingdom of man and see the hope and glory of the kingdom of God. To achieve their slaughterhouse-in-waiting, which is the only thing that Christian nations do, which is to kill people on a large scale, Christian fascists need to slander the devil as much as they slander God and pretend neither exist, so as they do not challenge the hell they wish to create on earth. This is, of course, music to the ears of Diabolos, and he is the chief architect of Christian fascism. For every Christian nation that uses his methods ends up closing their Bibles, slandering God and destroying the reputation of Christians around the world. Just look at American Christianity and their lust for war and their blasphemous chorus of God bless America. Today we have freedom from Satan's methods if we put on the armour of God 
his complete armour and make our stand against his schemes. Remember, freedom matters today because you matter to God. In fact, we all matter to God. It doesn't matter who we are. And for all people, Christ came into the world to be our Lord and our Saviour. Freedom Matters Today looks at freedom from a Christian perspective. As Jesus said, For if the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Please join me tomorrow for episode 92 in our series Freedom from Fear. <laughs>